Welcome to our visitors especially. My name's Campbell Markham, pastor here at Cornerstone Presbyterian. And we hope you can stay behind afterwards for some, some morning tea together, a chance to get to know each other. And we're continuing our series on the book of Proverbs today. So I'd like you to open to Proverbs 13. And we are looking at walking arm in arm with Jesus through all of life, in every aspect of life. And today, walking arm in arm with Jesus as we think about raising our children and disciplining our children. And I can tell you now that uh, I've spent quite a lot of time on Proverbs, what it teaches us about how to raise children. I've put a lot of that actually in my article in, in the Corner Post. So I hope you got a Corner Post. I hope you read that article. And uh, a lot of my work is in there. And this morning's sermon will complement what's in the Corner Post. I think this morning I'll be looking more at the theological underpinning of how and why we discipline our children. So the, the practicalities are more in the bulletin, and this morning more of that underpinning from God's Word. Now, as we know, there are many different kinds of father, aren't there? Many different kinds of fathers. We have kind fathers. We have absent fathers. We have strict fathers or indulgent fathers. There are cruel fathers, as we know. Some fathers are fun. Some fathers think they're funny. Some fathers are annoying. What's your father like? What's your father like? Thank you, Hudson and Fletcher, for not... Uh, <laughs> calling out at this moment. I didn't catch that. What were you saying about your dad? Okay, Thomas, would you dare to translate? No. What kind of a father is God? What kind of a father is God? Well, as we look today at uh, Proverbs chapter 3, verse 11 and 12, and we're going to look at Proverbs 13 and some other passages, we learn what kind of a father our heavenly father is. Look at Proverbs 3, verse 11. My son, do not despise the Lord's discipline and do not resent his rebuke because the Lord disciplines those he loves. As a father, the son he delights in. We, we see from these verses, we see from all of Scripture that God is a loving Father, in fact, a fiercely loving Father, and we learn from Scripture that He is a tenderly kind Father. Our Heavenly Father, we pray now, as we look to your Word, that you'll be our teacher Father, we confess our idolatry. We confess that our tendency to distort you, to try to change you, to look at you other than as you truly are. And we pray as we look to your word this morning, you break down the idols of our hearts and that we will see you face to face, see you as you truly are. Father, please show us to yourself this morning from your word, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. 
God is a fiercely loving God. And what we see in the Bible is that God, in his fierce love, disciplines us away, first of all, from eternal damnation. You see, God is a holy God, and that means that God is appalled at sin, he hates sin, he is uh, passionately against sin, he, he punishes it, his holiness breaks out against it. And the Bible teaches us that our sin brings upon us God's punishment, his condemnation. Our sin deserves nothing, else, nothing less than hell. And this, this is so important. So many of our wrong ideas about uh, God and how he treats us, so many of our wrong ideas about the Christian life come because we don't grasp this basic fact that God is a holy God and he detests sin, he hates it, his judgment breaks out against it and our sin deserves his eternal condemnation. Hell comes as a result of our rebellion. We deserve hell because we are rebels against God's word. Our Lord Jesus said that God made us to love him with all of our heart, mind, soul and strength. And we haven't done that. And our Lord Jesus taught us that, that God made us to love our neighbour as ourselves, and we've not done that. We've rebelled against God, broken his laws, and hell comes as a result of our rebellion. And so, in his fierce love, God rebukes his children for their rebellion. Let's, let's lay this firm foundation that God is a heavenly father who fiercely loves us and because he loves us, he disciplines us away from our rebellion, rebellion which brings eternal condemnation and hell. We need to be so clear about this. God sees us walking towards hell in our rebellion and so in his love, he rebukes us and disciplines us away from that rebellion that rebellion which brings about the death, the eternal death of our souls. Think about David. Think about David in the Old Testament. Was there ever a man that God loved more? <laughs> you look at David, and, and, and here's a man who God loved passionately, intensely, a man after his own heart, God said. We see God's love poured out on David, just in David's gifts. He, he was a man who, when he was a, a boy, was a shepherd, and he was a great shepherd, wasn't he? God gifted him to be a great shepherd of the sheep, and he protected them wonderfully and bravely. And then David was not just a good shepherd, but he was a great warrior who went with nothing but a sling to slay the, the nine-foot monster Goliath the Philistine champion 
And we see also that David was, was also a great musician, wasn't he? He was a, a great harpist. God poured out musical gifts on him and wonderful poetic gifts. So many of the Psalms came from David's genius for poetry. Here's a man loved by God. God poured out all of these gifts upon him. I don't know about you, but when I was at school, there was always the, the kid who was great at maths and science, yes? Great at maths and science, but you, you, I, you used to think, well, yes, he's good at maths and science, but can he play an instrument? Because I was at a music school, you see. And then there were kids who were just wonderfully gifted at a musical instrument. And you think, yes, but can they kick a, a football? You know, are they any good on the football field? And then there were these really, really annoying kids who were brilliant at maths and science, who played, played the cello like an angel and were the star on the, on the football field. It's like they got every possible gift. And that was David. It was just an indication of God's love for him. This incredibly gifted man, gifted because God loved him. And yet, when God saw David turn down that path of rebellion, and you know what I'm talking about, don't you? From 2 Samuel chapter 11. There's David, his army's off to war, and he sees Bathsheba uh, washing on the roof, and he lusts after her, and he has her called into his palace, and he sleeps with her, she becomes pregnant. And then, to cover it up, he arranges for her husband, who was one of his mighty men, by the way, one of his friends, arranges for the husband to be murdered. And God saw David, and God saw David starting to walk down that path of rebellion. And he started to see David walking down that path towards hell. And God chastised him. God punished him for his rebellion. He punished him severely, didn't he? Amnon, David's son, and Tamar, his daughter, from different mothers. God allowed his family to descend in absolute chaos. Amnon raping Tamar. And then Absalom, her brother, her full brother, murdering Amnon. And then the family just disintegrating. Absalom coming into Jerusalem, uh, driving David out. David's now in exile, having to leave Jerusalem, having to go onto the other side of the Jordan River. Absalom disgracing his father by, by setting up the tent on the palace roof, sleeping with his concubines. God severely whipped David, severely punished him. Why did he do that? It's because he loved him. It's because he loved him. And he could see David taking that wrong path towards hell. And so he severely punished him for that. We see the same with Adam and Eve. We see the same with Jacob. We see the same with Moses even. God's severe punishment on Moses. Moses did not enter the promised land because of that moment of rebellion in the desert. 
We see it in the exile of God's people and the destruction of Jerusalem. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 11, When we are judged by the Lord, we are being disciplined so that we will not be condemned with the world. Let me read that to you again in case you missed it. 1 Corinthians 11 verse 31. When we are judged by the Lord, we are being disciplined so that we will not be condemned with the world. This is God's fierce love for us, brothers and sisters. When he sees us going down that path of rebellion, he chastises and disciplines us so that our souls will not be lost. And in Psalm 118, the psalmist said, The Lord has chastised me severely, but he has not given me over to death. In fact, we could add, the Lord has chastised me severely so that I won't go to death, so that my soul won't be lost in eternal condemnation. As you know, in, in about uh, eight weeks' time, Mandisu and I go to Europe, and I'll be doing some study there, and I'm, I'm doing some research into this uh, young woman, Marie Durand, who was imprisoned at the age of 15, in 1715, in 1730, I should say, in prison because she was a Protestant. The Protestant faith was illegal in France at the time, and she was put into prison for 38 years in a dungeon in the south of France because she was a Protestant Christian. Now, what I'm doing is, is working through her letters. We have 48 of her letters, and I'm, I'm, I'm translating and, and studying these letters. They're wonderful letters. And I want to read to you an excerpt from a letter she wrote on the 26th of April, 1757. And she wrote this to her niece. And this is what she says to her niece. So she was corresponding with her niece. If you took a long time to reply to me, my darling daughter, I did the same. You said the delay was caused by a severe gash to one of your legs. Mine was caused by an awful eye infection. It caused me much suffering. Now listen to this. God judges it correct to afflict us in many of these ways. It is caused by his love, since he chastises with the most, the most severity those whom he loves with the most tenderness. He chastises with the most severity those whom he loves with the most tenderness. In this way, my darling child, we kiss the hand which strikes us and we submit to the divine will. So here's a woman whose father had been in prison for some 15 years in his 70s and 80s, right at the end of his life. Here's a woman whose brother was hunted down and hanged because he was a pastor. Here's a woman who was thrown into a dungeon for 38 years, and in the 27th year of her imprisonment, she can say that God judges it correct to afflict us in many of these ways, 
It is caused by his love. Since he chastises with the most severity those whom he loves with the most tenderness. Now, I don't know about you, but if I was in that situation, imprisoned for now 27 years in a lightless dungeon, I'd be feeling bitter, I think. I'd be feeling angry. I'd be feeling ripped off. I'd be in despair. I would be shaking my fist at God. How could you allow this to happen to me? But you see, she knew what the Bible teaches so clearly. That God loves us with a fierce love. And he chastises those the most whom he loves the most. And when he sees wayward hearts like mine and yours taking that wrong path to eternal damnation, in his love he comes and he brings whatever discipline, chastisement, punishment he needs to bring to correct us and to put us back on that, that right path. No wise Christian, when they are suffering, whatever it is that they're suffering, no wise Christian will resent asking, is this the Lord chastising me? Now, let's be careful. The book of Job carefully teaches us that not every calamity that comes upon us is a direct punishment by God for our sin. The book of Job teaches us to be careful not to to jump to that conclusion. But at the same time, it would be very wrong for us to ask. If I'm suffering, something's going wrong, something's hurting, something's falling apart, it would be very unwise not to ask, is the Lord rebuking me for something? Is he chastising me? Is he disciplining me? And if he is... I can know it's because he loves me. In his fierce love, God disciplines us away from eternal damnation. And in his tender kindness, God drives us into the saving arms of Jesus Christ. God, in his tender kindness, breaks our hold on whatever we depend upon other than Jesus Christ for our future security and hope. Isn't that exactly what God did in the Exodus? Isn't that exactly what God did in the Exodus? He took his people out into the desert. There's no water there. There's no food there. What's God doing? What was God doing with the nation of Israel for 40 years in the desert? He was breaking their self-dependence. He was breaking their dependence on earthly things to hold them up. He was breaking their connection to earthly things as their future hope. He was breaking their connections to earthly things on which they might have rested their joy and their happiness. That's why God took the people into the desert for 40 years 
to break that dependence on any, any perishable thing, any passing earthly thing, and to drive them to depend only on the Lord himself. That's what the Exodus was about. God was teaching them to depend on him alone. And God does that in his tender kindness. So, brothers and sisters, this is who God is. This is how much God loves us. He is a father who disciplines us as his children because he loves us. And when he sees our hearts straying, when he sees our hearts going down that path of rebellion, then he chastises us in his fierce love and he breaks our dependence on earthly things and our confidence in earthly things. Let's turn now to Hebrews chapter 12. Please turn to Hebrews 12. Verse 5. Where the preacher says, Have you completely forgotten this word of encouragement that addresses you as a father addresses his son? It says, and here he's quoting Proverbs 3. My son, do not make light of the Lord's discipline. Do not lose heart when he rebukes you, because the Lord disciplines the one he loves, and he chastens everyone he accepts as his son. Endure hardship as discipline. God is treating you as his children. Are you going through hardship? Financial hardship? Family hardship? Something's going wrong with your body? People letting you down? People betraying? Well, Hebrews says... Don't think that any of these things happen because God has turned his face away from you. God has stopped loving you. In fact, Hebrews is saying that these things come from the loving hand of a loving God to turn us away from the wrong path and to draw us back to himself. It's an awful thing, isn't it? But we just jump to the conclusion. Something's going wrong in my life. We jump to the conclusion, God, where's God? He's turned away from me. He's abandoned me. But the Bible says it's not. It's the opposite. It's a loving God coming to you to discipline you, to chastise you where necessary because he loves you and he's keeping you close and he's teaching you not to walk down that path of rebellion but to stick close to his son, Jesus Christ. In fact, Hebrews goes on to say, look at verse 8, if you're not disciplined, and everyone undergoes discipline, then you're not legitimate. You're not true sons and daughters at all. Moreover, we've all had 
human fathers who disciplined us and we respected them for it. How much more should we submit to the Father of spirits and live? They disciplined us for a little while as they thought best, but God disciplines us for our good in order that we may share in his holiness. No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. It's, uh, brothers and sisters, it's a sign of Christian maturity that when a hard thing comes, we don't fall to pieces, but we look to God and we say, Father, I know you love me. I know you are all powerful and you are all wise and that nothing that happens to me is outside of your plan, your purpose for me. Father, how are you disciplining me at this time? What are you showing me in my life that's not right? Again, we do not lead to conclusions. We do not, like Job's friends, say, bad things happen to this person, therefore that person sinned in some way. We don't lead to that conclusion. But the mature Christian will always ask, what is God saying to me in this? What, what earthly thing am I leaning on that he's pulling away? How am I straying from his path? And, 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 and how is he calling me back? And by the way, I know my heart, and I, I'm sure you know your own heart. They're pretty hard, aren't they? Our hearts are pretty hard, very hard. And it takes a lot for our loving Father to break them, to soften them, and to draw them back to his son. It takes a lot. Well, that's how our Heavenly Father loves us. <laughs> he loves us so much. He's willing to discipline us, to show us when we're going down the wrong path, to draw us back to his son, Jesus Christ. And Christian parents, God wants you to be exactly the same. He wants you to do the same for your children, who are in fact his children. Your children are firstly his children. That's why in the Old Testament, the infants of Israel were circumcised on the eighth day. It was a sign that these are God's children. They received God's sign of ownership from the very beginning of their life as a constant reminder, these are God's children. They belong to him. And that's why we baptize our children. Because they're God's children. Baptized in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit in his name because they belong to Father, Son and Holy Spirit. And so every Christian parent will, will go back to this again and again and again. My children are first of all God's children and I am a steward for a time. 
And I have them for a time. And I care for them in God's name, in God's way, before sending them out into the world. And so as our Heavenly Father disciplines us, because he loves us, well, because we love our children, we will discipline them. And so we finish this morning by looking at at some of these, these Proverbs. Look with me to Proverbs chapter 13, verse 24. Whoever spares the rod hates their children. But the one who loves the children is careful to discipline them. And this is supposed to shock us out of our apathy, by the way. Whoever spares the rod hates their children. If you're not disciplining your children, you're expressing hatred to your children. This is what the word of God is saying here. Because if you loved your children, you would discipline your children in the same way that our Heavenly Father disciplines us because he loves us. And the rod was a thin piece of wood used to inflict a sting for parents to teach their children that sin brings pain. Sin brings pain. This is not the way to go. And... uh, Look, I, I lived through Super Nanny in the 90s. Anyone else remember? Okay, Super Nanny. Is she still around? Still, yeah, okay, she's still doing her thing. Okay, and, and, and she was big on, uh, you know, you don't use the rod, you put your child in the corner. Now, go sit in the corner and I want you to think about uh, what you've done and I want you to think about your life and your future, and, uh, you know, this, the situation we've got ourselves in, into here, and the uh, two-year-old is going, what? <laughs> you want me to sit still for a start for more than 30 seconds, and you want me to think about and contemplate my life here? Uh, a two-year-old just can't do that, but a two-year-old does understand a sting, and they understand the connection between wrongdoing and, and a sting, and... This is God's way, and it's quick, it's very effective, it's loving, the Bible says. It's done with all hugs and kisses and expressions of affection, and this is how God wants us to discipline our children. Proverbs 19, verse 18. Discipline your children, for in that there is hope. Do not be a willing partner to their death. You see, this is the same, isn't it, as as what I've been saying. God sees us walking down that path towards death and hell and he, he corrects us, he disciplines us from that path and the godly parent will do the same. Don't be a willing party to their death. Teach them God's way. Show them that that's the wrong way. Proverbs 23, verse 13. Do not withhold discipline from a child. If you punish them with a rod, they will not die. And so apparently the, the, you know, the controversy over, over smacking or, or whatever was, was a controversial back then. And of course, children, when they get this kind of discipline, might act as though they're dying. <laughs> they might act as though you're murdering them. 
But it says here, if you punish them with a rod, they will not die. (laughs) Punish them with a rod and save them from death. If you don't punish them, they will die. They will die. They'll die the second death. Proverbs 13. And this is directed to the children themselves. A wise son heeds his father's instruction, but a mocker does not respond to rebukes. And I pray that we might all heed our Heavenly Father's instruction and his discipline. We might not mock him when he is disciplining us. And finally, Proverbs 1 verse 8. And this is for all of us. All of us. Listen, my son, my daughter, to your father's instruction and do not forsake your mother's teaching. They are a garland to grace your head and a chain to adorn your neck. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we confess that uh, we, we are immature. Confess how prone we are to falling apart when hard things happen to us and to thinking that, that you've stopped loving us, you've neglected us, you're withholding good things from us. Father, I pray that we might see from your word that because you love us, you discipline us, I pray that you'll give us tender hearts. I pray that we'll receive it well. And Lord, I pray for the parents of our church. What a hard job. What tremendous obstacles they face. And as our nation seems to um, self-consciously reject your ways, it's going to get harder. And so, Father, we pray for our Christian parents today and we pray that you'll fill them with your spirit. Fill them with love for their children. May they love their children the same kind of love with which you love us. And I pray, Lord, that that no Christian parent will think that discipline is somehow unloving, but quite the opposite, that when we love... We discipline. And Lord, I pray that you would give wisdom, strength, courage to our Christian parents as they seek to discipline their children. I pray that we might support them as a church community. I pray, Lord, that you help them to be consistent with it. I pray that mums and dads will work together as a team and not be at odds with each other, but that mums and dads will present a united front, a loving front. And Lord, we pray for our children, that each one will grow up in a God-centred home with godly discipline and all the love of Jesus Christ. And we pray in his name. Amen. Thanks, musicians.